Jesus today in the gospel echoes a theme that we hear throughout his preaching and teaching. And that revolves around our hearts. And he says, what goes on in the hearts affects what goes on in the actions. So we have to look to the hearts and correct the hearts in order that the actions might be according to his plan, to his purpose. So what's going on in the gospel? The Pharisees and scribes are gathered around and they're correcting Jesus. They're like, Jesus, we have all these traditions about how we uh, do wash our hands and how we purify ourselves and bathe before we eat. And your apostles don't follow this. So obviously they're doing something wrong. And Jesus is saying, you guys focus a lot on washing your hands, but you don't focus much on washing your hearts. You don't focus on what's going on inside. That's what defiles. That's where sin is rooted. He says, from within people, from their hearts come, and he lists things. Evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from within, and they defile. So he's pointing directly to the heart. It's, again, something he says often. One of the famous lines is, has to do with adultery. And he says, those who lust after a married woman have already committed adultery in their hearts towards her. The action is stemming from what's already happening in the heart. So we have to confront ourselves and work today on the heart. Asking God to come in and root out any poison, any sin, any attitudes that have taken root in our hearts. This is particularly true in what's going on in the church today. We're in the midst of a crisis. We've had uh, Cardinal McCarrick, who's been found to have credible allegations about um, homosexual behavior with young seminarians and priests. Um, A whole system of cover-up that surrounded that. Um, We have the reports from the grand jury in Pennsylvania. There's uh, the letter from Vigano, Cardinal uh, Archbishop Vigano. There's all these things coming out in the church, and many people have been asking me, what do I do? Um, How how can I help? What's my response? If people say, I'm not going to go to church anymore. If people say, I'm not going to give money to the church anymore. I've had people ask a lot of questions. What's my response to the midst of this turmoil happening? And the answer is really easy. And it's very doable. The answer for what each and every one of us can do in the midst of this scandal, is take care of this right here. The heart. Each and every one of us, taking the plank out of our own eyes, taking a good hard look about what's going on in our hearts, and asking God to come in and heal our hearts. That we can live according to how He wants us to live. The issue at hand is in many ways a chastity issue. We have men who are not living chastely. Chastity is something all of us are called to. Chastity has to do with our relationships with other people. Are we going to see others as men and women who God has created in His own image and likeness, who are worthy of dignity, and treat them accordingly? Or are we going to see them as objects for our own pleasure, for our own use? 
most particularly sexual, but in any ways in which we see people as objects to help us better our careers, better our situations, help us. These are ways in which we treat them as objects. And God is asking us to reflect upon our hearts and to respond and cleanse this defilement that's within. This defilement that's rooted in a sin of lust. That's where unchastity comes from. Paul VI was in many ways a prophet. He was the Pope in the 1960s, and he wrote this encyclical called Humanae Vitae. It was an encyclical in which he... There was a big debate going on at that time in the, in the church and in society, and it had to do with contraception. And the Anglicans and some other uh, Protestant churches, uh, many of them had said, contraception is okay. Uh, society itself had kind of said, you know what? It's okay. Many teachers and professors and priests were even saying it's okay. Catholics can use contraception. And Paul VI does this remarkable thing by writing this encyclical, Humanae Vitae, in which he says, no, that's not the case. That's not true. You see, because we've got to get back to the very roots of what's going on. And, and if our marital act, if, if a man and a woman married in the church can't come together and give the full gift of themselves to each other, we've got a real problem and it's going to affect all of society. So if we start having contraception in our marriages, then when the man and woman, when husband and wife come together, they're not going to be giving the full gift of themselves to each other. They're going to say, I give you a part of myself, but not my ability to bear children. And that will plant seeds in which the marital act will become a means of using the other person. And if the marital act becomes one of use instead of one of an exp- full expression of love, even only a part, even if only the seeds are planted, it will begin to affect that couple's children. And their children will begin to live unchaste lives. And we see how pornography has just grown and grown and grown. And we see how... Um, even outside of marriage, the sexual act has grown and grown and grown. And our movies, our television, everything's just... Uh, this lack of chastity is being expressed more and more in society. And Paul VI said, if we walk down this road, problems are going to happen. And we walk down that road. Even though we taught it, and the Catholic Church continues to teach it, unfortunately, many people don't know that. So some people might be surprised to hear the Catholics teaching on contraception, that it's never acceptable. Others... Might have heard it, but not really be practicing it. And when we don't practice, when we don't live out the virtue of chastity, and that's just one small example, but I think one that's very important. When we don't live that out, it begins to affect our family, begins to affect society, begins to affect the whole church. So how do we change the church, change society, change our family? Well, we get back to the root and we start living chastity. We get back to the root and that's what's going on in our hearts. Where has the poison of lust taken over? And where are my actions, which sin against chastity, being expressed out of that root in my heart? And when we're able to transform the heart, it will transform society and the church. How do we do that? Because at the end of the day, we're not strong enough. How do we do it? We need the Holy Spirit. We need God to do it. And I know he's done it for me. And my high school years, I was a man filled with lust in my heart. I, most of my relationships with girls or interactions or friendships, 
in some senses, in many senses, became a, a, a use in which I thought about them lustfully. Even my own friendships, I, I thought about how I could use this person. Even if it wasn't sexual or turning sexual, it was about how can this person help me? How, and my life began to center more and more around me because of what was planted in my heart. And God came in through pouring out His Holy Spirit upon me and a retreat. Many determined as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, the, my baptismal graces were stirred up in a new way at a renewed love for God, for the church, for the scriptures. And this root, this poison of lust was rooted out of my heart. It's ways in which I wasn't living a chaste life. And I began to enter into friendships and relationships and interaction, which it wasn't all about me. In which I was interacting with this person, I wasn't thinking, what can I get out of this? How is this going to benefit me? But instead, it was, this is a person loved by God. This is his son or his daughter. This is someone who's made in the image and likeness of God and deserves my attention, my respect, my love. And when God begins to root out the poison, we begin to have this joy-filled life of chastity. Because it's not just about rooting out these things or saying no to these things. Sexual immorality, lust in the heart. It's about saying yes to a much bigger and more important thing. And that's the love and the presence of Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit in our lives. We're saying yes to a joy-filled life of chastity. Uh, I'm extremely happy. And I can point to my brothers in, my, in the friary, the Franciscan friars of the Holy Spirit, who are really happy. And we're living chaste lives. We're living lives in which the root of lust hasn't taken over. But instead, we can live in our interactions in a joy-filled, loving manner. And it's transformed our interactions with each other and those we minister to. And we've been filled up in a new way with an encounter of the Holy Spirit, which has transformed our hearts. And that changes everything. Brothers and sisters, this is how we will transform our families, our society, our church. Right here in the heart. If we can let the poison of whatever it is, Evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly, whatever it might be, whatever poison has taken root in our heart, if we can, in fact, allow the Holy Spirit to enter in, to root these things out, and to fill us with virtue, to fill us with love, to fill us with the presence of the Holy Spirit, our lives will be transformed. And that light shining in our heart will begin to transform everyone and everything around us. It's a call. It's a responsibility. In order to do this, I'm asking all of you to join me, the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit, Bishop Olmsted, Bishop Navarez, in a time of prayer and fasting. We had a meeting yesterday with Bishop Olmsted, Bishop Navarez, and many of the priests of the diocese. And we discussed, what's our step? What's the next step for us as a church here in Phoenix? And there's a call for prayer and fasting. There's a call for us to join in this time. There, as Jesus says, there are certain demons that can only come out through prayer and fasting. We're in the midst of a deliverance in the church. And we desire this to occur, but we need to do our part. 
of prayer and fasting in order that our lives be purified, be open to what God's about to do. It's like having surgery. Right? If you have surgery, what happens? They tell you, show up at you know, 9 a.m. and don't have eaten anything. And you end up having surgery at, what, 2 o'clock or something, and you haven't eaten, you know? And sometimes it gets delayed. I've talked to people. I had to visit people in the hospital. It's like 5 p.m. They're like, I'm just waiting for my surgery, and I'm so hungry. God is asking us, and why are they doing that? Well, because of the medicines and everything they're doing and all the operations. You need to not have eaten. God wants to come in and do surgery in your heart, in the heart of the church. Right? And when we pray and when we fast, it begins to open us up to prepare us for that surgery to occur. It begins to purify us so we can allow God to enter in in a deeper way. So let us allow God to enter in, preparing our hearts through prayer and fasting, opening ourselves up to an encounter with the Holy Spirit, that as we encounter Him, He can root out the poison whatever it might be that's entered into our hearts, particularly the poison of lust and unchastity, and allow Him to fill us up with the joy, with the love, the presence of His Holy Spirit, which allows us to live the virtue of a chaste life. This, my brothers and sisters, again, will transform us. We will begin to live a new, joy-filled, Holy Spirit-filled life, and it will begin to transform our families and the church. Let us answer this call of God in our hearts and our lives. Let us respond and say yes to His invitation to a deeper relationship with Him, a deeper encounter of His love, starting right here in our own hearts.